Hello and welcome back to another episode of You Want to Do What. Today we've got Adam Pearson, who is the CEO of Blend Commerce. Hi, Adam. Hi, Daniel. How are you doing? Good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, very good, thanks. Uh, this one's a bit short notice, guys, so um, bear with me. Um, but Adam, do you want to tell everyone a bit about what you do? Yeah, sure. So my title is, is CEO of Blend Commerce, and basically what that means is that I essentially head up um, a company called Blend Commerce that is a Shopify agency. So we work 100% with entrepreneurs and people that own businesses that work off the Shopify platform. And that can range anything from clothing um, brands to food brands um, to children's magazines, really the kind of list is endless. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners would have probably heard of Gymshark, mm. Tesla, Carly Cosmetics. All of those brands also use Shopify. Um, so there's a big range of different types of brands that use it. Uh, but predominantly, we are working with those kind of brands that are doing somewhere in the region, probably a million to three million pounds a year in revenue. And what we do is help them with not only their Shopify store, but also marketing it. And a lot of the marketing that we do with clients is helping them with their email marketing strategy, with their SMS and text marketing, and really just making sure they've got all they need to help run that digital side of their business. Very interesting. Very, very modern. It's not something that was around, you know, five, 10 years ago, maybe. No, absolutely. And to answer you, Daniel, I think this is one of the reasons I absolutely love working in this industry, because, you know, if you've ever worked in an industry like I had prior to this, where you've got maybe people that have been there for 20, 30, 40 years, you know, you, you kind of sometimes get this sort of, you know, old boys club mentality. Um, and there just isn't that within this space because it is so new. And I think the second thing is that it's also moving very, very quickly. Mm. So what, you know, what was happening kind of two years ago really now is so out of date that, you know, even if you're going to try and rest in your laurels for saying, well, look, I know all this stuff two years ago, it's really not going to be relevant now because things are changing, you know, at a record, record speed. Shopify seems to be everywhere at the moment. You know, there's a lot of people or, you know, people that just start businesses by themselves and seem to make an absolute, you know, a fortune in one for better words. Um, and it's just amazing what people can do by leveraging things like social media, like you say, email. Um, and it really is possible to sort of uh, create your own brand now, isn't it? And, and actually do well. No, absolutely. And I think yeah, that's the, the nice thing about Shopify. You know, I mentioned Jim Shark earlier on. Um, you know, when you think about Ben Francis there, you know, he essentially started off printing T-shirts in his garage. Um, he got a Shopify site, put it together himself, started selling, you know, a few products through it. And then obviously, you know, the, the key thing for him was the social media side. But yeah, there are a lot of great stories of, of really sort of strong brands that, you know, we all know and love now. Think about Allbirds, you know, who have been massively popular as well, mm. who all had these very kind of humble beginnings. Um, and I think the nice thing is, you know, with Shopify is that, yes, you know, it does cater for those huge, huge brands. But, you know, if you and I wanted to just go and start a Shopify store now, we could probably get up and running in about an hour's time. So wow. it, it's, it really does enable people that have always kind of said, look, I really wish that I could you know, have my business or I really wish that I could design this product and sell it. It, it really is there for the taking to be able to stand up and, and do something like that. So what you're working in now sounds very, very interesting and very cool. But where does this all start? What did you, what did you, you know, what were your interests? What did you study? Did you go to university? How did this all begin for you? Yeah, so um, really, you know, for me, I, when I was at school, um, my main focus was always around business. 
um, a business in economics. And I kind of studied GCSE business, studied GCSE economics, um, and just really got this kind of buzz for for kind of business and, and the economy. And mm. it, it all for me, you know, kind of started in terms of entrepreneurship. When I was a kid, we used to live in a garden that had lots of, of apple trees. And each summer I would pick them and then go and sit on the side of the road and try and sell bags <laughs> of them. And I think, you know, <laughs> that was kind of where I got my, I guess, sort of my passion for business from. But sort of after school, um, you know, I then went on to university and I studied um, a degree called International Business, Finance and Economics. So a bit of a mouthful, um, but really was kind of, again, specializing in mainly kind of on the business side of things, a little bit of the economics thrown in. And I was always kind of obsessed from probably about 16, 17 of being a management consultant. I thought it was going to be this really flashy, uh, really well-paid, glamorous job. And um, I applied numerous times for an internship, got rejected. Mm. Um, when I actually, just before I was going to graduate, I applied for a, a graduate role. <clears throat> and and I, I got it. And I was I was over the moon. Like, you know, I, I thought that I literally had made it at that point. And I always remember kind of you know, being about three months in and thinking, look, I thought I was going to be flying business class to New York and <laughs> you know, wearing a flashy suit. And the reality was, you know, look, you have to start at the bottom. And, you know, I, I remember pretty much one of my first projects, I was sat in the back office of the London Stock Exchange testing code. Um, so it was a little bit detached from the kind of, you know, the, the Armani suits and long business <laughs> lunches that I think I had uh, in my mind. So I did that for about three years. Um, and I realized, look, I want to do something different and I want to actually go and do something where you know like a lot of people say make a difference but mm. I think it was just the fact that I was just bored really bored and I wasn't feeling like I was actually doing anything meaningful um and actually when I was at university I went to Camp America so I went to work um on a kids camp for probably about two months I think it was mm-hmm. and at that time you know I thought about teaching but you know so I think at the time you know and probably to a certain extent some graduates now you think look when I get out of university, I want to earn as much money as I can, you know, and that's going to be my primary goal. And I'd kind of put that to the back of my mind. And that was sort of the spark I may want to teach. And I retrained as a teacher, did my PGCE, much, you know, to the amusement of all my kind of city friends who were kind of mm. thinking, look, what are you doing? Are you, you're leaving a great job, you know, you're leaving the city. And I was just like, yeah, I'm over it. Yeah. And um, I had a great time, you know, the, the first kind of, you know, the training period was great felt really fulfilled um my first year of teaching was a local school and I loved it and again I was I was teaching economics and business um and I kind of felt like you know I'd finally found my groove you know sort of three years at being Accenture I never really felt like I fitted in and Mm. I'd you know I'd sort of I guess become sort of part of the furniture but with teaching it 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 kind of did um and I went to actually teach abroad I went to I moved out to Dubai with my partner uh, well, my mum and our wife, and uh, that was a very interesting experience. And I think you know, if anyone listening has ever you know worked in the public sector um, and then gone to the private sector into teaching, there is a big difference in terms of how schools are run. Mm-hmm. And I really didn't like the way that you know I was having meetings about the profitability um, of the the students that are in my class. Um, it, it was wow. just a very odd conversation to be having. Yeah, um, it doesn't doesn't seem to fit with the what you'd think as a teacher, right? Your your priorities, no, anyway. No, not at all. And you know, I, I think after that, it sort of you know we came back from Dubai, and I, I started teaching again. 
And, um, you know, like a lot of people, you know, I think one in three of us now, I, I actually suffer with, with quite severe mental health issues. Um, and I had a, a pretty significant breakdown um, that was all kind of based around depression. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, it took me kind of about three months to sort of get my head straight. But I, I kind of said to myself, look, I missed the kind of corporate aspect of what I was doing in teaching, mm-hmm. but I still want to do something where I feel like I'm having some kind of impact. And I was really lucky at the time because educational software and, and educational apps were booming. And uh, I actually got a job as a business development director with a company that, that was an educational app provider. So when I was there, sort of really kind of fell in love with the sales side, with the marketing side. And I then went to work for one of the competitors as, the, as a marketing director. So I kind of, you know, I'd learned social media, I'd learned, you know, Facebook ads, email marketing, all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, and it was great. But there was always this kind of nagging thing. And I guess, you know, when I was a kid, you know, I was selling apples on the side of the road in the school holidays. It was that thing of, I always wanted to start my own business. And my Mm -hmm. now business partner, he had said to me, look, I've started actually, I've started doing something different myself because he was a quantity surveyor and he wanted to get out of it. And he started to teach himself code. And he was like, there's a thing called Shopify. It's massive in the States. It's going to be huge. And I was just like, hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it took about three months and I started seeing more stuff in the press. I started hearing about brands that were using it. And, you know, we did a bit of research and there was no one at the time who was kind of saying, look, as a, as a business, we can help you get up and running with Shopify, but also help you with actually get up and running with your marketing. And it, it seems a bit odd now because there are a lot of agencies out there that do this, but, you know, sort of five or six years ago, that wasn't really the case. And one night, as a lot of good, I think, business ideas start, a few too many beers around a barbecue. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that was it. We had a meeting the next day. A month later, I handed my notice in. And uh, a month after that, we, uh, we, we got up and running. And I remember closing our first ever deal uh, was actually with a, a guy based in LA. And um, obviously, because of the time difference, we were just, you know, basically kind of staying up all night for him to accept this proposal. Mm. And, uh, yeah, we basically drove to a local McDonald's at three o'clock in the morning um, <laughs> and bought a Big Mac meal and celebrated that way. So, again, the rock and roll life of an entrepreneur. Yes. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, what a great sort of twist and turns to your career and so many different skill sets. It's a great example of, you know, you don't necessarily have to know what you want to do. You're just kind of following your your gut, if you like, and it will it'll take you where you're meant to be in the end definitely you know and i think it's if anyone listening you know is like me that is is in the mid 30s you know if you've got parents from the same generation i have they still i think have this mentality of look a job is for life yeah i think it's quite difficult you know when you're growing up because you're brought up with those kind of values and those morals um and then when you realize you know that the, the world that we live in now is completely not aligned with that at all and you start thinking like, look, what do I really want to do? Um, you know, it, it takes time to convince yourself that to, to kind of have the, the balls to go, well, look, you know what, I'm going to scrap this career. And a lot of time you know, people go, look, well, I've just spent, you know, 15, 20, 30 grand on a degree, you know, and I've going to done this. But why does that matter? Because ultimately, if you're going to be miserable doing the same thing again and again for, for 10, 20 years, as some of my very good friends are, and just moaning about it all weekend and then numbing the pain with alcohol, you know, what, what is the point? I'd, I'd rather take a pay cut 
and then go and do something that I actually want to do because you, I, you just realize you get older that it, it's the most important thing to be happy and content. I couldn't agree more. I had a very similar sort of um, realization. I was in the city for five years as an insurance broker um, and I just found myself every day sort of moaning about what I was doing. And you're kind of like, well, why am I, why am I doing this? You know, yeah, the money's good and stuff, but there's, there's much more to life than just, you know, chasing the money. And, and if you actually do what you love, not all the time, but a lot of the time, the, the money does come. Definitely. And I think that's the thing, you know, because whatever you're going to do, you're absolutely right, is that the more that you love it, the more you're going to do well. And, and ultimately, whatever kind of job you're doing, you're providing a service to someone in some capacity or you're dealing with people whether you're selling, whether you are providing a service, you know, whether you're you know, a doctor, whatever, whatever it is you're going to be doing. And I think, look, if people see that you've got that enjoyment, they're going to enjoy receiving that service from you and you'll be better with you. So I couldn't agree more. You know, it's, it's going to be blatantly obvious if you are enjoying what you're doing. And then obviously if, you, if you're doing a great job with it, then like I say you're going to succeed. So yeah, massively agree. And I think it's having the confidence to, like you said, you know, you jumped into the world of marketing and you learn Facebook ads and, and all of that and social media, which actually is very complicated now. It's not as straightforward as it used to be. There's a lot more to it. Um, so it's having the confidence to do that. And then, you know, you've gone and started your own business. Um, you've got your business partner who, who knows the coding side. Um, but that's that's a big gamble as well. Yeah, look, I, I think it is. But, you know, my my other side of things is that, you know, look, if let's say, for example, we start the business and it going completely wrong, the worst case scenario that is going to happen is that I would then apply for a job that was similar to the one I did before. And I've had this conversation with, you know, quite a few of my friends who have said to me, look, you know, I really wish you know, I could just go and do what you guys did and just say, screw it. And, you know, kind of start again. And I said, well, look, just go and do it. Because ultimately, like, you know, if I think about it now, if someone comes to, to us as a company and says, look, um, you know, we, I was, I was, you know, let's say for example, an email marketing, um, manager yeah. and they leave uh, that role and it says on the CV, they spent six or 12 months trying to set up their own children's, uh, clothing brand, for example, or maybe they try and set up a nursery, whatever it might be. If they come to me and say, look, you know, look, I tried this, I, I gave it a go. It didn't quite work out. And I realized actually I want to come back into this world. Well, from my point of view, they've got the skills that they need. And secondly, it shows me that they're willing to actually put their neck on the line, yeah. which means that, you know, they're going to be actually a great employee. So I think it's always that thing of like people think, look, well, if I go and try and do my own thing or do something different, doesn't work. What are people going to think of me or, or will I be able to get the job? And the reality is your skills and experience are never going to go away. Mm. So that that's always been my thing with people. Look, just, just give it a go. If it doesn't work, go back to what you're doing before. It's it. it in my mind, it is that simple. Yes. I think it's just having it's just having the guts to do it, isn't it? it? It seems like such a massive step. And you think about it for a long, long time. I know I did. I probably delayed it for way longer than I should have. But once you do it, it's initially very scary, but it's so rewarding afterwards. Because you're like, okay, I've, I've done that. Like, okay, what else can I do now? Um, certainly, that was how I felt. No, I agree. And, and I think, you know, look, you, you have to be sensible with it because, you know, look, if, you, if you've got children or if you know, you've got you know, kind of family that needs support, then, yeah, you know, you, you've got to pluck that into consideration. But 
Yeah, I think ultimately, if you can sit down and say, look, what is the minimum that I need to be, you know, earning and living off for this period of time? You know, if that means that you need to go do a part-time job at the same time or do some freelancing work, which, you know, now is more easy to come by than ever before with things at Upwork and Freelancer, you know, if you're in kind of, you know, the, uh, the sort of tertiary sector, then, you know, you, you can do that. And it's just, yes, you might have to trade off a little bit, you know, perhaps if you do have more financial commitments that you need to meet but ultimately it's got to be better than not doing it at all and actually having a go and then kind of you know doing some part-time work on the side so I think you're right you know it's it's got to be considered but at the same time if you can make sure you cover it on that basic level then you got to go for it yeah I love that and I, I want to take the opportunity now actually to as you're you know the CEO of a company who's got a mix of marketing and development in it um, let's talk a bit about what you're looking for um, when you're hiring people both within the marketing side and the development side so what can people do if they want to get into this world of of digital marketing if you like um, to stand out and to be someone that you look at at a CV or, or however you find them to go that's the person I want to come and work for me. Yeah, fantastic question. So I think you know, the, the main thing for us is that, you know, when we're looking for someone to come and work with us, and it doesn't really matter what field or, or what position they're applying for. There's two key things that we want to find out. One is that why do you specifically want to come and work at Blend? You know, there is a lot of information on the internet about Blend in terms of what we do, who we are, how we work. You know, you, you can look at all our social media. You can see the kind of company that we are. And if someone turns around and says, look, you know what? I absolutely loved that LinkedIn post you did about blah, or, you know, I saw that you guys did this event with your team. And that's the kind of thing I want because the team environment that we've got is very important. And the fact that people want to be part of that, it's not just they want to come work for an agency. The worst thing someone can say to me, you know, in an interview is, well, I really want to work for a Shopify agency. And it's mm-hmm. kind of, well, yeah, <laughs> but why, why, you know, like what, yeah. why else? you know, you, you've got to, you, you've got to make us feel a little bit special. I think is, you know, is the first thing. But I think the second thing, you know, is that the other thing that we look for um, with people who definitely want to learn and want to progress. So we've actually hired a lot of people who have had very limited experience um, in marketing um, and also limited experience in things like, for example, account management, but have kind of come from a different world or industry where they've got a lot of great transferable skills, but they're also looking for a change. And we've, we've actually hired a lot of great people who I would say are the, not in between us, because it, it, I don't, the connotations of the, of the TV program, yeah. but just one of those people that are looking to make a change in their career not a massive derivation from it, but are looking for a different challenge. And I think that is always something that's massively appealing to us because we always find with those people that they're not coming into that role with any kind of preconceived ideas of, of what it's going to be like. They come in actually quite open and quite, um, I guess, malleable to, to that role. But equally, they've got the drive and they've got the core skills that they need to be successful in it. So I would say you know, some of our most successful staff that we have at the moment particularly on the marketing account management side and kind of strategic side of the business are not actually digital marketers at all. You know, they're not people from, from this world, but they've got all of those skills that go with it. And I think, you know, on the development side, you know, you can, there are a lot of development jobs out there. Look, you know, it's one of the most in-demand things at the moment, web mm-hmm. developers. And the, the, the variation in salaries is huge. Yes. You know, employer, 
we pay somewhere I would say around around the middle um, and I think you know sometimes when we get people applying to work with us there's obviously there is sometimes a bit of a mentality of okay well I'm going to come in and give them a development I'm going to go home because there's a lot of people that have been freelancing and get used to that and I understand that because you know look there is a lot of money to be made freelancing as a developer mm. but we want people who are going to come in and yes you know do great work but also are going to be coming up with solutions for clients because yes, you know, you think about development, you think automatically about code, um, you, know, you think probably about, you know, sitting there in front of the laptop all day, but when we're actually coming up with ideas for the brands that we work with, our developers are saying, well, look, what about if we did this? What about if we created this on site? So it's those people who can also say, yeah, from a technical point of view, I've got the skills, but they're also thinking kind of commercially about from a, a customer or a client's point of view, what are the things that are going to turn the needle for them as a company? And that's you know, really, really important. We've actually been um, sort of talking about web development quite a lot on the podcast recently. We've done sort of three or four full stack developers um, and, and they've been super interesting. And I, my mind's blown about the, the whole world of software development, to be honest, that just how big and how in demand it is as a skill set. Um, and we've had people on who've done degrees, but we've also had people who've done so things like no code camp and yep. um, just online courses to learn development. And do you have a preference or is as long as people are good at what they do, do you mind how they get to where they are? We couldn't care less. We really could not care less if they've got a degree, if they haven't, because the way that we, we basically assess people is that we give them um, essentially kind of a short test, which usually lasts for about an hour and a half. And what we do in that time is that we, we kind of have a task in there that tests a lot of different coding skills. Mm-hmm. What we're looking for is not only, okay, do you have a particular strength in one language? But secondly, what are the things that you prioritize in that time you've got? Because what we're giving there really is a task that should take about four and a half hours. Right. But what we're doing is saying, look, if you're in that situation, what are you going to do first? What's most important? And we ask them to tell us why they chose to do the things that they did. Because that for us kind of shows us that commercial awareness side. And, you know, we've got people in our company that have got master's degrees in computer science. Um, We've also got people in our company that have got geography degrees who are absolutely fantastic developers. We've actually got people who have not been to university at all, self-taught coders from the age of 12 years old. Um, And we've also got developers who were in... um, so I've got two developers, one that was in sales mm. um, and another one um, that was basically working in a family business that was lear- that were, were learning code just with online courses, going on Udemy, buying different courses and have developed a, a language skill off the back of that in terms of a coding language. Mm. So yeah, like I say, for us, there is, frankly, I could not care less about a degree. that's you know i love that you say that i i always uh i always always go on about this on the podcast i don't have a degree myself um but a lot of my friends um do on peers do um and they're not doing anything that relates to their degree whatsoever you know they they had a great time at uni and they spent three or four years you know down the pub enjoying themselves meeting people great but really I, i i don't see the value now in a degree okay if you want to be a doctor or you want to go on and do you know science or something like that it is probably a good thing to do but if you just want to go out and start working i don't think really you need it anymore no i, I agree and i think look like you say it's it's about what people's personal preferences are but 
you know, for me now, university is, it's not the enabler that it used to be maybe 10 or 15 years ago for the majority profession. Like you say, you know, if you want to be, you know, a dentist or a doctor or mm. you know, so it, within that kind of medical world, then yes, you know, I agree you would. And, and probably I imagine too, kind of in the engineering space, perhaps you, you might, you probably might need a degree for, for some companies, but I think you know, there are a lot of industries now where ultimately, because I think, you know, companies like us, there are a lot of small businesses and we, we don't have the time or capacity to be able to train people up from scratch. So if we're kind of, you know, in a situation where we have two candidates buying for a role, let's say one of them has done an apprenticeship where they've been kind of working and sort of studying at the same time. Yeah. And we've gone and got another candidate, you know, who has just finished a three-year degree in marketing. Pretty much, you know, unless there is is going to be some some fantastic thing they've been doing on the side of their degree, we're going to choose the person with the apprenticeship because they're the ones who are going to rock up to interview and say, oh, yeah, there was this time when actually I was running this marketing campaign a year ago and blah, blah, blah happened, and then I had to do this as a result of it. You know, ultimately, if you've been doing a degree for that time, you're not going to come with that experience. And I love that. For, Such you know, a good point. You know, I think that's the thing. It's, people have got to make it, you've got to make it easy as possible in that interview for people like me to sit there and go, right, I can imagine you coming on in, in two or three weeks' time with a little bit of introduction and then get going. Because, you know, training, training is costly to a company. Mm. And, you know, and we, we have a, I think we have a really good learning culture in terms of our company. Um, you know, we have a lot of people who are doing additional courses that are being paid for. We've got people doing, um, you know, kind of coaching with, with different people that we work with. Um, but in terms of, you know, those basic entry level skills, we don't really have the time to be able to train people on that. I wish that we did because it would be great, you know, if we were a huge company could do that. But as a company of, you know, sort of 15 people, we just, we haven't got the bodies on the ground to be able to do it. So that's why, you know, I say that with, with someone that's gone and gone out and done, you know, work experience has worked directly and gone in and just done it themselves has done an apprentice apprenticeship. It's yeah. It's always beneficial over just having that degree. Yeah, I, I love that you said that. That's exactly how I feel about the whole world of careers now. We had a great, great um, young guy who came on, um, and he's now a producer um, for sort of YouTube, and um, he does stuff with BT um, and a presenter as well. And he said, I think he said something like, you know, the gatekeepers have kind of lost their power now with with learning things. You can jump online, even YouTube. You can go on YouTube, and you can literally learn a subject on YouTube. Um, so you know, you, there's just okay, some degrees, like we say, are worth it. But now, if you really want to, and like you say, go and get apprenticeship, learn on the side, show willing, and actually show practical skills. Exactly. And I think that's it. It's because the, the more the more examples that you think you can give in an interview where you've either been in a particular situation or you've read about something or you, you know, under, you're able to explain something to someone in an interview, Again, that is just another great thing for an employer to go, right, I can see this person is good at learning, researching, has got some relevant experience. Um, you know, and, and, and I've done this myself, you know, when, when I've been in, was interviewed before, you know, when I was doing my degree, 
you know, tell us about a time when you did X. Yes. And, you know, ultimately it was just, well, there was this time when I was doing a group project. There was this time when I was in the you know, university football team. And like, I'm not, I'm not knocking people for saying that because ultimately if those are the experiences you've had, you're, you're looking at, you're drawing out the, the things that you feel are beneficial. But from a, a smaller business point of view that isn't employing hundreds of thousands of people each year, if you can turn around and go, the thing that you need doing in your business, I've done a bit of it before and I did this and I did it this way. It's like, okay, great. Yeah, yeah perfect. I'm in. Um, so another thing we, we always talk about this on the podcast is kind of the um, CV problem or the perceived CV problem. You know, there's so many people applying for so many jobs and all they're doing is just putting a CV in. It doesn't matter how good that CV is. It's still probably going to be one of a couple of hundred or a thousand sometimes. But the people we've had on the podcast have approached getting jobs very differently. They will showcase their skill set, whether it be by talking about their subject matter on LinkedIn or Twitter or creating a side project or actually proving their skill set through something they've done themselves. Now, is that something that would really appeal to you as the CEO of a company? Massively. So we we actually employed a designer um, for for a company probably about 12 months ago. And, and the way that he got his job is that um, one of my colleagues was actually presenting at a university to his old, um, basically the degree that he was part of, the new intake were there. Mm. And uh, Wodge came up to Stefan, our head of UI UX, and said, look, Stefan, um, I've been tracking you guys for a while. I absolutely love what you do at Blend Commerce. Here's my portfolio. If you ever need a junior designer, I'd absolutely love to come and talk to you. Love that. And... Stefan looked through his profile and went, look, this, this guy's great. Um, we interviewed him, I think, the next week. And then I think he joined us two weeks after. <laughs> so, yeah, that, at the time, you know, we weren't, we weren't even thinking about that seriously about employing a designer. Mm. But it's when you get someone like that, you do not want to let them go. Mm. Um, and it's equally, we've, we've actually recently employed um, someone else in our sales team. And we got introduced to them um, by kind of a mutual friend about 12 months ago. And at the time, there wasn't a role there. But she wanted to have a call with us, and we spoke to on the phone. And we had a great conversation. We said, look, we, we can't give you a job now because there isn't anything. But now that there is, she was the first person we called, and we brought her in. But I think, you know, for me, I've, I've just recently been through a recruitment process. And I think there's two things. If you are going to send a, a CV send a damn covering letter mm. i honestly I, I can't tell you the amount of people I, I, I think actually sorry so we had for one role we had 81 applicants wow i received two cover letters so one you're just going to chuck the rest away surely if you're, you're not got a sense of personality that the cover letter delivers you right absolutely absolutely and you know for me that doesn't that is just for me okay You've applied for this job because you applied to a bunch of them. Yes. There's nothing about us that you want to work this for. So yeah, no thanks. And like I say, you know, one of them, you know, was tailored, and that's when I looked at the CV app. But you know, this person unfortunately didn't have the experience we'd asked from the job description. But one thing that I do a lot of is I use a program called Loom. Okay. So it's Loom.com. Um, one thing I would definitely advise people doing if you wanted to impress me. Go on to lean.com. You can record a video just of yourself saying, look, you know, hi, I'm Adam. Um, I'd really love to come and work at Blend. The reasons are this, this, and this. 
Here's some examples on the screen of work that I've done. If you haven't talked to me, just give me a call on this number below. And it's things like that, yeah, that you can send to people that the people will watch a video. Yeah. Um, and the little tip that I would, would recommend that for people that are looking for, you know, a, a new role in an industry is if you find a company you want to work for, put their website on your computer, use Loom, and then what you'll do is you'll create a video with a little icon of you in the corner and that company's website in the background. Now, if there are any business owners as listening, if you get an email through and you see there is a video with your website on, there yes. is no way in hell's chance you're not going to watch that video. That is a great tip. That is really, really good. Yes, because of course you're going to watch it. Of course, because you're going to be so inquisitive to find out what it is. And to honest, you, it's a tactic that I use now from a sales point of view. Um, I use it to update our partners. You know, it's like if I go out to a brand and, and say, like, you know, look, we want to work with you on an email, they're going to go, okay, yeah, right, fine, not even bother really opening it or just get rid of it. Mm-hmm. If I simply say, hey, Dave, here's a video for you, link in their little gif of the video and click on it they're going to watch it so yeah use loom it's a golden tool and i think you can get it for free as well i think i might be using that myself (laughs) that's a great tip um so what interests me as well is um the marketing world and the development world starting to sort of fuse together and we're seeing more of these agencies pop up where you know a business is coming with a software issue they have and yet it's being combined with the marketing of that. Is this an industry that is really starting to grow and you think it's going to take off in the next few years? Yeah, massively. And, you know, I think the, the thing around this, like, we're actually seeing this ourselves. So, you know, we we work with um, our, some of our Shopify merchants on using loyalty programs, which, you know, it needs to be set up, you know, from a coding point of view, need to be done in a particular way. And... We also obviously offer email marketing and we also offer things like SMS marketing. So you've kind of got a mix of these kind of different principles and ideas. But what a lot of people are saying now is that rather than looking at these at each individual silos, you're looking at it, say, along the lines of calling it, okay, retention. So in order to retain our customers, part of that mix, yes, we need development work that's being done there, but that piece of development work with the loyalty program needs to be connected and talking to the email marketing, which needs to also be talking to the SMS marketing, which then needs to go back to the loyalty program to tell it exactly what that person is responding to. So yeah, there is there is a lot of stuff going on like that at the moment, whereby there is kind of more of an overlap. And I think, you know, the, the, the big sort of buzzword recently, you know, I guess in the past 12 months has been around this idea of personalization. And a lot of the things that go on personalization are exactly that. It is that mix of development marketing together. So if, for example, you go to a website, um, a you know, common thing at the moment is that you, Daniel, might see a different homepage that I will see. Um, and that might be in the fact you know, that, look, I am a mad Aston Villa supporter. And uh, for some reason, I don't know why. <laughs> uh, basically, I am then being targeted with Aston Villa hats and T-shirts. You might be, let's say, an Arsenal fan, for example. I don't know if you are, but you know, you might go onto the site because of this data on you. You are then being shown Arsenal T-shirts and hats. Now, that's you know, kind of again, that is development, but that is using marketing metrics, and it's also with that getting you to sign up, say, to 
an Arsenal supporters email list and me to sign up to an Aston Villa supporters list. So there's a lot of crossover here. And I think there is, if you can be in that position where you are kind of saying, look, I want to go into this field, but I'm not quite sure if I want to go down that kind of marketing or that development side, mm. there really is an opportunity to kind of go in somewhere in the middle and then go and specialise in a particular area that you want to go more into. It's so young that there's, the industry so young that there's a lot of room for people to grow and develop into roles that probably don't even exist right now. Mm. Mm. Um, um, sorry, mate. Sorry. Continue. No, sorry. After you. Um, so I think an important thing as well that nobody really talks about is progression. So, you know, people get jobs and, and they're, they're in those jobs, but for you as, as a CEO, what does somebody need to do to progress within their job role and within the company? So I think the, the main thing is, is that in terms of progression is showing us that, okay, number one, are you strong at what you're doing right now? And us to basically have the confidence in you, because I think that's the main thing. When we're looking at promoting people in the business, number one, we're saying, are they confident in the things they should be doing now? But secondly, are they also a good representative of the business? Because ultimately, you know, whether you are going to be client-facing with an agency or whether you're not going to be client-facing, as you progress within your role, you're going to be having some sort of element of responsibility where people are looking at you for answers or you are then setting the tone for what other people do. Um, and it's interesting, you know, we, we, we had, you know, a while back, probably sort of, you know, two years back, we had a couple of members of, of the team who are no longer with us that, they, although they were kind of moving towards senior positions, they weren't really kind of setting that right tone in terms right. of the quality of work they should be doing and, and their, I guess, kind of, you know, work ethic towards the company. And what was really interesting with that is that that then had immediate effect on the rest of the team and how good we were as a whole business. And it wasn't until those people left that we realised, actually, look, this, this has been the reason why we've been losing money on projects. This is the reason why that actually the morale of the team is so crap because mm. we've had people, you know, progressing through the ranks who weren't proving to us that we should have the confidence in them. So I think that, you know, is super important. But the other thing is, is that if you are wanting to progress and you feel like you're not, people that come to us and say, look, I want to do this thing. The business case of the company is this. I think it will benefit the business in this way and it will benefit me this in this way. We've actually had a couple of people who have come to us and almost given us a business proposal about why they should be promoted and what role it should be. And we've just gone, yeah, that makes sense. Because, you know, from a, from a very simplistic point of view, we started this business, yes, because, you know, we didn't want to work for someone else anymore. We always wanted a business. But, you know, we also want to make money and yeah. you know, we want the things in life that we want. And if someone can come to us and say, in your business, I would do this thing that will make the company more money. And oh, by the way, I'm also going to be much happier in what I'm doing and feel more fulfilled. And I'll stay with you, which means you don't need to go out and recruit more people. Mm. You know, I know that sounds like a bit of a callous way of talking about it, but if you boil it down, but that's true. That, that's yeah. what it is. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that's the thing. Yeah, just just be people coming to you with ideas is is just a great way to get promoted. And and this is a bit more personal about about yourself. How do you find it being a CEO of, of a business? It must be so so much fun, but also a lot of stress as well. Yeah, I think you know, the the main thing is 
I think I've really kind of settled into it probably in the, the, the past, I would say, 18 months. And I think, you know, initially, the problem is when we started this industry, I know we hear a lot about imposter syndrome, you know, on various different channels, but ultimately, I mean, look, well, I'm just a guy who used to be a teacher mm. and I'm just a guy, you know, who used to sell software to schools. You know, what, what, how the hell can I come here and be talking about, you know, leading a company about Shopify, you know, do I really know enough? I've been doing this for a while now, but hey, I'm not sure. And I think the thing is like with that is that that once you kind of realize you don't need to have all the answers, but what you do need to be doing is very passionate about your company and basically fight the corner and fight the the battles of your team when you're needed. Mm. That's the absolute best thing that I can do. Because look, I, I know zero code. I, you know, people will be laughing here because look, I don't even know how to do HTML, which is the most basic form of coding that you can do. <laughs> um, I'm useless. I'm about as technical as a box of matches. But <laughs> what I can do, you know, is that I can I can understand why our team are doing the things they're doing, what the benefits are that they actually generate with people, and I can also then communicate that to other people and also tell people about the way that our team works. Mm. ultimately that's what it is you know i am i am the face of the company and yeah you know look when you know proverbial hits the fan i do have to sometimes get involved and take it on the chin but at the same time my role there is you know kind of going back to seeing coaching them and saying look what could have we done differently there you know was there a different process we could use you know what have we learned from doing this way around and you know i i think it, i can't even remember who said it but i've heard it a few times since is that you know, when you think about like leaders and, and, and CEOs and all these kind of people, all these fancy titles that don't really mean a lot, is that, you know, you actually work for your staff. They don't work for you. That's and a good point. I think, you know, I've looked at it that way a lot in the past 18 months. I've looked, I am there to enable our team to do the things that I need to do for our clients. So if I have that mentality of I'm there as an enabler, then actually they can do brilliant work and I can reap the benefits from it. Yeah, and that—that's all I find myself doing a lot of the time is—is is making connections to people my team need to speak to, you know, sitting with them in the whiteboarding room and saying, "Look, right, how are we going to fix a particular problem?" and basically kind of facilitating it. You know, I—I don't—I'm sitting there when we've got app developers talking about developing an app, and they're talking about different code languages. I'm at the foggiest, but <laughs> you know, what what I do know is that. Look, okay, how, what process did you go through? Did it work? Didn't it work? What was the benefit? What disadvantages? I can help facilitate all that thing and get them to see it. And then we go, ah, right, yeah, great, got it. We need to do this next time around. Mm-hmm. And, and that's that's it. You know, I think it's, I, you know, it is fun. And I, I love obviously doing stuff like this, Dan, you know, being on podcasts is great because I can come on and talk about things that I love and talk about, you know, the business and the team that I love. But, you know, there's, like I say, there is, there is always going to be the kind of the, the, the nasty side to it where you do have to deal with, you know, staffing issues and, you know, if things do go wrong, you've got an unhappy customer and you, you are going to have to talk to them. And, and ultimately, you know, the kind of the book sucks with, with me, mm. but you know, those situations are very few and far between you know, the, the positive massively outweighs the negative. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Adam. It's been um, really interesting. I love your perspective on degrees and, and getting in there and apprenticeships and all that. Um, and uh, you've given some really good tips as well. So thank you so much for taking the time to come on. No, thank you, Daniel. It's been really good to be here. Thank you. And where can people find you and find your company? 
Yeah, sure. So um, I'd love to connect with anyone on LinkedIn. So it's just Adam Pierce. And uh, you'll see there is just a picture of me with my black glasses and uh, sort of spiky brown hair and gingerish beard. <laughs> and then go and have a look at blendcommerce.com. Um, I'd love to hear from people as well. You know, if you are in or wanting to get into the Shopify world, if you're a developer, aspiring developer, let us know. Send me that Loom video. Tell me what you want to do. I uh, would love to hear from you. Brilliant. Thanks again, Adam. Thanks, Daniel.